The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to NBA Finals File with Robert Ori and Jabari Davis. We are deep diving into the 2011 Finals. Dirk Nowitzki and the Mavs taking on the big three of the Miami Heat. Rob, let's go ahead and get into game four because it was a bit of a nightmare game. Like, there's no other way to say it. That's if you're a Miami Heat team. <laughs> oh, this is true. This is true. I guess yeah. it's a matter. It's always a matter of perspective. It's always exactly. a matter of perspective. <laughs> So, courtesy of the mic'd up feature in the pregame footage, we were able to see both coaches give a bit of a rah-rah speech and then reminding their teams that you know, this series, this game and this series would be one in the trenches. That ball goes on the ground or that ball is in the air. Who is winning that battle tonight? You ain't letting us lose tonight. Not tonight. It is a primal game. We got to win the grit and guts game tonight. They got to see waves of white coming at them all night long. I'll make sure we got fresh guys in the game. So I'm wondering, how much stock do you guys as players, you know, how much do you put into those types of pregame speeches? And, you know, or, or is it a matter of, you know, you guys are just locked in and you're sort of accepting it and moving on to the action? You know, it, it's, this is one of those things that can go either way. There's so many great coaches who can hype you up by your voice. Um, Phil Jackson, Pop, you know, Broody T, I, I, the guys I played for are all great coaches that getting you amped mentally by what they say. And there's other coaches that said, yo, I remember Wimp was like, yo, this is what we got to do. Go out and do it. You know, we, the physical part is over. It's the mental part now. Get mentally ready and go out there and play this game. And I think a lot, it, 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 it also, it boils down to the player. And, and for me, 
I was so locked in when I played that sometimes I didn't even hear the coaches' voices because you have to be mentally ready. You've played this through your mind a million times, you know, before the game, after the game, in preparation. You know, your, your prep is so important when it comes to playing NBA games. And if you're able to prep mentally, that's the hard part. The physical part, it sounds weird, is the easy part, but the mental part is the hard part because you have to fight through soreness you have to fight through, you know, whatever might be going on personally. And you have to fight through the crowd noise. And that's the things that you have to be able to do mentally to be successful. You know, I was going to ask you later on, but this is the perfect opportunity. How much of the game is mental, you know, for you guys? I think for each guy is different. And I, I, I say it's over 50%. Okay. Uh, I think because if you believe in yourself, you can achieve. And you think about how many times when you, you look at guys walk on the court, if a guy got his head down, you know, oh, I already got it. You know, he's mentally broken. And so you either go at him offensively or defensively or whatever it is it may be because you saw his spirits are broken. But the guy who has his chest up with a little smirk on his face, you got to scratch your head like, oh, my goodness, is he going to be that assassin on the court? So you have to be prepared mentally at every moment of the game. Even though we are 2-1, I still feel like our back is against the wall. Lay it off on the line tonight and play Miami Heat basketball, man. Let's, go, Let's get it. Let's get it, baby. It is game four of the 2011 NBA Finals, and for the Dallas Mavericks, it's truly a must-win situation. We have a chance to take the bull by the horns tonight. Uh, we're in a position we fought for this position, so we just have to keep it going. So, Rob, going into this one, Dirk's got the flu. Yo, he's playing sick. Dirk Nowitzki is playing tonight's basketball game with a fever perhaps as high as 102 degrees. I know that you guys always have to, you know, overcome things, whether it's, you know, little ticky-tack injuries or actual significant injuries, you know, like broken backs in the finals and things like that. But how <laughs> off, like, how difficult is it to actually compete on the court when you can't breathe or when you're, when you're dealing with, like, an illness? Um, it, it's, it's very difficult because you don't have the same strength that you normally have. Nowitzki, two-pointer, off the mark. Dirk looks exhausted to yes. me. You, you don't run as fast, and everything sometimes slows down, and not in a good way, in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 But on the flip side of that, it makes you more focused. You know, adversity can make you more focused, and that's a different type of adversity that you have to face. So I think a lot of these guys, all these greats that have these sick games, these flu games or whatever game, that's why they're able to step up because their mental becomes more laser-focused. Dirk Nowitzki desperately needs some help. I noticed that the Mavs slid J.J. Barrera into the starting lineup for this one. J.J. Barrera in the starting lineup. He's come off the bench in the entire playoffs, only started two games in the regular season. What do you think went into that decision for Carlisle, you know, to move Stevenson to the bench? That, to me, was one that you're like, why? Because you went smaller. I, I don't know if it's the speed aspect of it, or, you know, somebody could guard, you know, Chalmers and they switched the lineup defensively, put Charm Marion on, on LeBron or whatever it may be. But it was one of those, you know, head scratches because they both pretty much the same things. But you know what? Hey, sometimes as a coach, you got to go with your gut. And, you you know, you never know what coaches are thinking or what players think. You know, we, we don't know. Stevens could have been sick. He could have had some other type of issues. So we had to sit back and say, OK, will this work out for the Dallas marriage? And it did. 
So the big three, they struggled from the floor to start this one, combining to go just six for 16 from the floor. But the Heat were able to stay tied with the Mavs by the end of the quarter on the strength of dominating the backboards 18 to 10 and turning the Mavs over five times in the first 12 minutes. Wade on the block, spinning off of Mary, got to the rim, scores with a foul. The second quarter action was weird, I'm going to be honest, because while Bosch and Wade were both great for Miami, LeBron was almost non-existent, and honestly, so was Dirk on the other side of things. I mean, Dirk, you understand, you know, he's obviously you know, he's playing through illness. But Deshaun Stevenson actually picked up the slack. It's funny. Maybe this is what he was. Maybe this is the button he was looking to push because he picked up, picked up the slack and he went three for four from deep and scored eleven points in the quarter. There's Berea to his left. Find Stevenson for a right side three pointer. Got another one. Yeah. Sometimes you know you you need someone to you know smack you on the butt to get you going. And maybe this is why he made this coach move because he knew. Derek was going to be sick. You'd be your first sub. You know, that way you can get that punch off the bench. You get some more height off the bench. You know, who knows what went into that decision. But, you know, now that you mention it, I think that's probably why Deshaun came off the bench. He said, okay, we need some size because J.J., we all know. I don't even think J.J.'s six feet tall. Right? He's no. a short guy no. when it comes to talking about when you prefer to basketball. So that might be the coaching moment here to say, you know what? Don't – he let you – first of all, I, I guarantee you, he let him know. So, hey. I'm not going to start you because Dirk's a little sick. I'm going to bring you off the bench because we need that size when Dirk comes out. I'm going to be honest about this, Rob. I think I, I'm fairly sure I've been in the same room as JJ. He, I don't know. That, I don't think he's as tall as I am. I mean, I'm not clowning. <laughs> I'm saying that makes what he's able to do on the NBA court with you guys, you giants amongst men, that much more impressive to me. Yeah, and also this is a Brian Cardinal sighting in this game too. Yes. That lets you know when a guy is sick, you're going to play guys – that are in your in your rotation, like Brian Cardinal, and you bring him off the bench to Sean Stevenson. So it must be because Dirk was sick. That makes sense. So moving forward in the action a bit, Miami, they're up nine following a Haslam jumper off of, off of Mario Chalmers' six assists at the 10-11 mark of the fourth. Two quick buckets from Terry got the Mavericks back to within striking distance. But And once again, they just walked the heat down over the course of the quarter. Terry's streaking layup, with right around the five-minute mark, gave the Mavs a lead 79-78. Bosh knocked away. Ahead for Terry on the run out. Lays it up and in. And the Mavericks have the lead at 79-78. And Jets got the wings out. We're down to under a minute, and Chalmers rebounds the Stevenson miss from the corner and swings it to Bosh, who then turns and finds Wade in stride with a brilliant outlet pass. But Kidd hustles back and fouls him to prevent the easy dunk. Wade splits the two, making the hustle play by Kidd that much more important. And this is where I want to ask you, how often are games won and lost on specific plays that may or may not even turn up in the box score as a positive? This is one of the things that I I love about the NBA and the playoffs. No easy baskets because, as you mentioned, he splits the free throws. Two points, a layup is a guaranteed two points or a dunk, you know, in most cases, but Two free throws, you know, we've seen Steph Curry lately miss free throws. And so free throws are one of the parts of the game that you love, from the hack-a-shack to fouling a guy down the stretch to try to, you know, make, make time stop so they can score. We go down and score another end. And so that play was so huge that you send Dwayne Wade to the free throw line, and he splits them. If he makes both of those, it's a different ball game. 
Absolutely. Because the next time down, the Mavs got the ball to Dirk in his sweet spot in the mid-range operating against single coverage. Davinsky at the free throw circle to the right, guarded by Haskell. 20 seconds, 15 on the shot. Now the shot's down to 13. Dirk facing to the right, goes quickly to the right, and lays it in! Oh! Davinsky! I don't know how he got that one over the rim! Jeff Van Gundy, he actually mentioned Dirk attacking too early on the broadcast, but somehow the right-hand drive was open. <laughs> and Dirk lays it up, you know, to put the Mavs up 84-81 with about 14 seconds left. Third straight game in these finals going down to the final shot. Now, Chalmers, he was shading the left-hand drive. But were you surprised that the Heat didn't at least consider doubling him or at least trying to get the ball out of his hands at that point in the game, Rob? I think the Heat were. But I, if you watch Dirk, it's almost like so he looked and like, oh, I know they signal. So he takes off. And he goes before the double team gets there. That's why he beats Haslam so easily because Haslam is waiting on a double team. Mm. And that's the, that's the key to being a smart player. You don't wait on a double team. You want to get buckets, man. You beat the double team. And he pretty much had, you know, a, a, a free run to the basket. And he gets a, a two points. Let me just say this. I say it all the time. You get buckets when you can get buckets. I know everybody said, oh, he should have ran the clock down. No. You get buckets because that was still a key bucket to put them up three. It's harder to make a three than it is to make a two on the other end of the court. Exactly. And the Heat, they still had a chance. Down three with the ball with 6.7 seconds left. Here we go. Looking. Still looking. Still looking. Chandler over. Got the way. It's off his hands. Into the backcourt. Got it to Miller. And he'll fire it up for the right sideline for three. But a Wade mishandle. You know, he actually mishandles the inbounds pass, causing a scramble. And he does a great job of getting the ball and then getting it over to Mike Miller. But Tyson Chandler got a fantastic, you know, contest on the, on a three-point attempt, causing an air ball at the buzzer. It's no good! The game is over! And this series is tied at two games apiece! And we're down to a best of three! Again, one of those big plays that it's not going to show up as a block. It's not even going to show up in the, you know, in the box score. And unless you were watching it, you might not even recognize it. But uh, it, it's a game-winning play in a, you know, in a big moment for Tyson Chandler. I look at that last play with Dwayne Wade and you just look at an overall overview of that quarter. They only scored 14 points of the quarter. They mishandled the ball. They had turnovers. They had bad shots. And it's like, okay, this is what happens when you play like that. It's contagious. And it happens throughout the year. That's why you, that's why you see coaches in the locker room talking about, we got to be sharp. We got to, you know, make great passes. And, and that's how it is. You know, you come out, you lack a day of school, you're not paying attention. You lose the ball. And this is a key moment. You got you to gotta get possession and you got to get a great shot off and try to tie this thing up. But you don't and you lose this game. Yeah, and on that, you know, the, the Mavericks take it 86-83. They tie the series at two apiece. Uh, it was a sweet victory for us, man. Something we had to do, do or die. I mean, we lose this one and we're looking at a huge hole. LeBron with zero points in this fourth quarter. This is where I it might feel like piling on because I want to know what you're saying to a guy like LeBron at this moment. If you when when you're across from him in the, in the locker room or the huddle or you know you guys are going out to dinner after this game, are you saying anything to him or do, or is it one of those where you don't want to say something because you don't want to make it worse? Well, you know, if you one of the, the, the leaders of this team, in this case, you sit behind him or next to him on the bus. And we're like, dude, you played 46 minutes this game, almost 46 minutes, and you took 11 shots. That can never happen. You look at the other team. Who on that team can guard you? Nobody. We need you to be aggressive. I'm sure, Okay, Dwayne Waste had 32. Bosch had 24. 
you still can get 20. You know, you still can be aggressive because when you're aggressive, it makes it easier, not for Dwayne Wade, not for Chris Barr, but Mike Bibby, Mario Chalmers, and Mike Miller. These are the guys we need, need you to make the game easy for. And so he has to be in attack mode. Speaking of attack, I was just going to make, you know, make mention of it. He only takes one shot in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to rehash all of the, oh, man, he doesn't have the, you know, blank player gene or, you know, or, the, or he, you know, some so-and-so would have done it. But one shot in this crucial situation throughout an entire fourth quarter, that just seems, that seems unimaginable. We had our chances. We didn't come through. And uh, personally, I need to play better to help our team win. It's, this is a big one, you know. Uh, whoever wins game five is going to go up in the series, you know, with, with one more win away from the ring. But then you have to look on the other side. You've got Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade, who who were Hall of Famers. Yeah. Dwayne Wade had 32 points. He was killing. So there's only one basketball on the court. And LeBron is such a team player. And people forget about this. They they forget that he's one of the best team players that ever played this game. He's going to get other people involved. It's your role. He's going to get out of your way. And so I think when people criticize him in games like this, I'm like, that's really bad mouthing uh, Bosch and Dwayne Wade saying, "Okay, get out of the way. You you you're nothing. Let LeBron. You 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 you're second fiddle to LeBron. No, these guys obviously had you know the the the, the advantage offensively. So let them go at it. And I okay, so I, I'll go with you on this because I, I I also want to give him this credit. It had to be extremely difficult to balance when to defer to Wade, when to assert himself, when to say like, okay, you know what." When all else fails, you know, give me the ball and get out the way. I can imagine that would have, especially the first time out, the first finals run, you know, deep run you know, with him as a teammate, that had to have been a difficult situation to navigate. Well, you're going to see in the, in the next couple of games who this guy is and what he can do to start a game. Fair enough, fair enough. Let's go ahead and go to game five. Hey, man, give y'all some classics. That's what we're doing. We're giving y'all some... Some classic games right now. That's what we all signed up for, though. I don't think it's pressure. It's fun more than anything, you know. Uh, it's game five. It's a turn game. Every game is important when you're playing in the finals. But when you get this close, and both teams are two wins away from the ultimate prize, I think you just get that much more focus. All right, so, Rob, I know that there, you know, we, we, we saw the post-game you know, uh, deal where Dirk says that he didn't even notice this. Uh, you know, until after the fact or, you know, you wasn't aware of it at the time. But did you remember LeBron and D. Wade mocking him for being sick, for the report of him being sick, <laughs> like in the, in the previous game? Oh, did y'all hear me call? I think I'm sick. I did. I, I thought it was funny because, you know, that lets me know where your focus is as a player. Who cares if the guy's sick, fake sick? Uh, we don't care. You know, we're trying to get a win. We're not trying to give anybody any reason to have some motivation to play in the next game or whatever game it may be when he hears about it. And I think if you go back, and you could be that angel or the devil on the shoulders. You're the devil saying to mock him. The angel said, don't. I guarantee you they listen to the angel and don't mock him. Because I know guys sometimes laugh and joke on the bus. And you say a lot of things that you wouldn't say in front of the camera. But I think that's one of the moments I think those two would take back and be like, we should have just said that 
off camera and not on camera. The, the, you know, the behind the scenes action, 100%. All right, so let me ask, let me also, before we get in, you know, jump into game five, is game five the most important game of an extended series? And I'm asking because, you know, we hear that all the time, uh, and it certainly feels like it, it was the turn game in this as well as in a lot of cases. You know, this this is a series I, I, I didn't watch live because I had some personal issues going on at this time. But after watching it, and I was like, it was talking about games five, and they showed Vinny, and they showed me. I was like, oh, I never really thought about it. But game fives are so, so critical and so pivotal in a series. You think about this, you know, two, three, two. You got to win game five on a road because anything can happen if you go home, you know, you're down three to two and you're at home. You just one loss away from losing the championship. So game fives are so pivotal. At least if you win game five, you got a chance to win one game out of two, and I like those chances. Every possession, we got to win all the hustle plays tonight, dog. Start from the jump, man. This is what it's about right here, man. The end way of our championship, man. All right, so jumping into this game five, both offenses look great at the start once again, but the Heat bench actually contributed nearly half of Miami's 31 points. They, you know, they chipped in with 15 points in that first quarter. Uh, Chandler was big for Dallas, you know, with an unexpected nine points in the quarter. Down low, Chandler dunks the ball as again he slipped the pick. Can you speak to that? What does it do for your team? And and this is taking nothing away from Tyson Chandler, but nobody is expecting him to come out and drop, you know, you know, nine, ten points in, in any quarter, let alone the quarter of the finals. What does it do for you uh, in terms of a, a boost for your team when you get unexpected offense like that? Man, that's like finding change in the couch, man. You say, what? I just found <laughs> some money in the couch? Okay, that's good. You know, and, and, and that's how you have to look at it. That's additive, you know, points. Points we weren't looking for. That's why they scored 30 points in that first quarter, because he was able to dominate like, like that. And it also makes guys who are guarding him, it's okay. I got to guard this guy now. There's been this whole series that he hasn't been aggressive offensively that I can help more. I can do other things defensively. Now you guys, you can have a tendency to stay home. Like you see Derek driving, like I'm not going over there. You know, you better stop because my man has already got 10 points. And so it's the weirdest mind game that guys have to play with themselves because do you stay within the defensive scheme to help or do you say, uh-uh, my guy's not scoring. And so if you're able to get in the middle of doing that, stopping and going, it helps, but a lot of times guys are more on the selfish side, but they said, no, I'm not letting my guy score. You stop your own guy. All right. That, I, I can understand that. Once again, that sometimes that's the game within the game that we don't know <laughs> on the go from the outside looking in. So Wade actually wound up going to the locker room for a bit following a hip injury that was suffered on a blocking foul from Brian Cardinal on a drive. And not the sight Miami Heat fans want to see. And even though he does make it back and was still effective. Wade. Tough shot, banks it in. Hip looked pretty good there. You could definitely see that some of his movement was more limited, you know, like than it had been throughout the series. Dallas actually closes the second quarter on a 10-2 run to take a 60-57 lead into the break. So, Rob, you've obviously been in plenty of, once again, plenty of huddles and plenty of locker rooms. Any chance that Wade is looking across at LeBron and Boss in that moment and telling them, hey, I need you guys to get it going in this one? I, no, I think a lot of cases like this, you got LeBron. But no, we got you, dog. We're going to, you know, you know, do still do you, but we're going to put more of the load on our shoulders and we're going to go out and handle our business because, you know, that's why Dwayne wanted to play with these guys. So they, he didn't have to be the mastermind behind doing all the scoring. You know, you got LeBron James, one, you know, best scorers ever played this game. You got Chris Bosch, 
who's one of the best post-up guys in his game, lefty, hard to stop. And I think he didn't have to worry about it too much being hurt. He said, okay, guys, yeah, I'm not 100%, but when is an NBA player 100%? So, LeBron, Bosh, help me. Help me, okay. <laughs> Barea for three. The hot shooting continues. They're six of eight from downtown. Barea was nice in this. like In the third quarter in particular, he goes three for four overall. He, uh, he, he knocks down two from deep for the Mavericks. And then, you know, from the Miami side of things, LeBron and Mike Miller, they scored six apiece. But Dallas still heads into the fourth quarter up five. Once again, when it was closing time down the stretch, somewhat inexplicably, again, LeBron was just nowhere to be found. Now, I want to make this clear. I'm not going to totally trash a guy that ends up with a triple-double in this game. And LeBron James with a triple-double. And I know what you just told me about, hey, look, there's two other Hall of Famers on, on the court with him. But at, at a certain point, it has to be addressed that, you know, once again, in a fourth quarter of a close game where you, know, you just mentioned it, you have the opportunity to go up 3-2. You have the opportunity to take a 3-2 lead back home. It just seems like it makes no sense for me for him not to have shown up in that fourth quarter. You know what? You, you're right in the sense as you look on the other side where Dirk Nowitzki just dominated the four quarters in almost every game he played in in this series. Nowitzki, quick move and the finish! This is one of the best final games I have ever seen. And you want to be like, why can't LeBron do that? And I think, you know, it still boils down to who has the best matchup. Because now, if you watch Jason Kidd on LeBron, he couldn't beat Jason Kidd off the dribble. He couldn't post Jason Kidd up because you had, you know, Tyson coming over, Dirk coming over to double team. Because they made it difficult for LeBron to score. And think if you watch this game, you said, okay, nobody else got double teams but LeBron. Nobody, they, they kind of held LeBron in check. So, you know, I want to give big ups to Jason Kidd for playing great defense on LeBron throughout this series. That It won't get mentioned, but that was one of the biggest keys to this series on putting Jason Kidd, who's really strong, can move his feet, and is one of the smartest guys ever played this game on defending LeBron James. Speaking of kid, on top of playing that, you know, that defense that you just mentioned, he hits a three down the stretch of this one to kind of help Dallas recapture control. Back out the kid for a kill shot. Got it! And then honestly, it was your it was your boy Jason Terry once again, you know, because his second, you know, three of the fourth quarter with just under 34 seconds to you know, play, it pretty much puts the game away. Terry, a long three. Got it! And the Mavericks are one win away from an NBA championship. What a performance from the veteran Dallas Mavericks. Dallas ends up becoming the first team to beat the Heat, as I mentioned earlier, in back-to-back games in that postseason to take a 3-2 series lead back to Miami. Home for the advantage, man. That's why we worked all year. Headed back home. Headed home. <laughs> Give them credit. They did a good job taking their home floor. And, you know, I love to mention this, as I always do. We always talk about winning quarters. Mm -hmm. You know, Dallas lost that first quarter, and that was it. Mm. You know, thinking about it, they they won every quarter. And that's the sign of a great team. Not a good team, a great team, if you can win quarters. That's one of the first things Tree Rollins told me when I came to the NBA. He says, young fella, we like hockey. We have to win quarters. If you can win three quarters out of four, nine times out of ten, you're going to win the ball game. And that's what Dallas is doing. They're winning quarters one by one. Even though last game they won all the quarters 
But the first, that's that that one out of the 10 we just talked about. That it does happen, but you got to win quarters. So for Miami side of things, I, as I already mentioned, LeBron gets a triple double, 17, 10, and 10. You know, the, you know again, it, it, people, it, it's crazy that we just you did completely disregard it. Uh, you know, but, you know, it, it, what's fair is fair. I could have made a couple more plays for my team, but at the end of the day, um, all it is is about a win or a loss, and triple-double means absolutely nothing, you know, in a loss. Um, so, you know, we'd be better um, game six on Sunday. I'm bringing up the rest of the guys. You know, Wade has a nice game. He has 23-8. and eight. Boss gives you 19-10. and 10. UD gave you 10-5. and five. Chalmers with 15-4. and four. And you got another nine off the bench for, you know, for Mike Miller. So I'm asking you this. With the support and the team effort was there. So if you're Miami, is this the one you look back on and say, yeah, that's the one that lost the force? Yes, you do. Because you got a lot of support from your bench. You got a lot of points from your bench. You know, everybody had good points except for, you know, Mike Bibby and Joe Anthony, two of your starters only scored four points. But you look at this game five and you're like, dude, we need game five to go home to win one out of two. You don't get this game. And you also say, okay, what kind of confidence does this give for the Dallas Mavericks? They just beat us two times in a row. We don't lose two games in a row. That's unheard of. Now, mentally, it's starting to affect the Miami. I know they might not say it, but it could affect not the big three, but the other people around that that doubt. If that doubt is able to break that barrier and creep into your mind, it makes a big role on how you play the next game. We couldn't celebrate tonight, even though it was a big win for us. This series is not over. We're going in there Sunday swinging uh, like we did today. We keep attacking. You can't even understate what it means for us to go out here in game six and to finish the job. You can't. It's big. Historic even. All right. Speaking of that next game, it's time for a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to get to story time with Robert Ory. And the Mavs are going to try to close out the heat in Miami. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG dot com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on 
on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back here on NBA Finals File. One of my favorite parts of each series, story time with Big Shot. You know, this story time is a little different because I mentioned Tree Rollins earlier. And you have vets that take care of you in the NBA. You just have that one vet on the team that just says, young fella, I got you. You know, I'm going to introduce you to this world of the NBA. You're a country boy, Robert Orr. You don't know anything about the big city of Houston. You don't know anything about the NBA. Let me teach you the ins and outs and the business side of basketball. And Tree would make me fly. You know, back then in my first year, I flew commercial. We flew commercial for games. So Tree would literally make me go home and fly with him because he liked to fly out early, get to certain cities, especially those he had family in. And he would sit down and he would show me a list of all 82 games. And we would say, okay, in this month, you know, in order for us to be successful, we can only lose two games. And he says, and, he, and Tree was a realist. And what I mean by that, he knew, let's say we plan to do torch business. Do they have a better team than us? Yes, on paper, you know, but can we sneak out a win at home? Yes. And so there were certain games, he's like, okay, I want you to look at this young fella. If we go six and three, eight and three, nine and three, whatever it may be, this would be our record at the end of the season. And this is what we have to shoot for. Also, he said, young fella, you know, we talk about business of basketball. If we end up with the best record, we get X amount of dollars. I'm like, what? I said, we get money for having the best record in basketball? Like, yes. If you win your conference, you get this amount of money. So he was breaking it down like that because, you know, you need motivation from anywhere you can get it sometimes. And money is a motivating factor for a lot of people. And so this is how Tree would break the game down for me. He says, you know, young fella, you know, a lot of guys play for the ring. And a lot of guys play for the playoff check. Because with the playoff check, you can buy as many rings as you want. And so that's the side of basketball, that the business side that he also, you know, the fun side, I would say, that he introduced me to. And saying, yo, you win this many a month, this will put you in a position to be successful and give you home court advantage. But he was also my vet. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we all have to do our little duties as a rookie. Uh-oh. And me running home to pack, flying on a plane with him. And half the time, I wasn't in first class with him. I was in the back and coach <laughs> because I was a rookie and I had a coach ticket. So I was in the back. And so we would get out, we would go to the hotels, we would go to dinner. And he would make me pay for dinners sometimes. The expensive dinners, he didn't. But the ones that weren't expensive, I had to pay for. So I, I credit a lot of my, my my mental when it comes to the game, in the NBA game, is to like guys like Tree Rollins, Otis Thorpe, and Dream. Because those guys, they weren't, you know, shy about trying to pass along their knowledge. Because a lot of times, so many times, guys, they won't pass along their knowledge because guys aren't willing to accept the knowledge. And I was willing to accept the knowledge. And they kind of introduced me to the NBA, the ups, the downs, and what to do and not to do. So 
That's my story, Tommy. And, and, and I say that because every team should have that wily vet like the Miami Heat do at this day and age to have Haslam, who we've been talking about in this series, yeah. on the bench still to this day. 42 years old, and he's able to have the ear to the team and able to tell these young fellas the pitfalls and the peaks of the NBA basketball world. I, I again, I really do appreciate these stories, man. And I'm going to use that story to you know to transition back to you know back to the series because I wonder just how much having a veteran laden roster as Dallas did in this series, you know, compared to while yes, there were some vets on you know on Miami, but a lot of those guys were either you know very young or very just starting their prime. I you know, I, I wonder you know, in your opinion how much that factored in. I think it factored in a lot because if you look at these vets, they are up in years in vets. You know, they're they have they've gotten to the top yeah. of the mountain. You know, they're about to start sliding down the mountain on their way out the out the NBA. So you look at Tyson Chandler, you look at Sean you look at Jason Kidd, you look at JJ Barrera. These guys have been around the game for a while. They understand the game. They know the importance of each and every play of a game, but they don't take any plays off. And now you mentioned Jason Terry. You know, the only young guy on the team really was Deshaun Stevenson. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else were vets that had been in this game, has been to the championship, but hadn't tasted that ring and that champagne yet. Since the start of the postseason, the Mavericks have said the time is now. Well, the time can be now. And for their veteran team, so many of them so accomplished in their NBA history, but none owning an NBA championship. Game time, baby. The Mavericks are looking focused and ready. Let's get to the eventual celebration, but game six, it was a fun one. Welcome to the American Airlines Arena for game six of the 2011 NBA Finals. Because my, our guy, the way we mentioned a couple times, Jason Terry comes up pretty huge in this one. But at the start of things, LeBron kicks things off, you know, looking as comfortable as ever, you know, knocks down a three. Then a, he knocks down a pull-up jumper in semi-transition. And then two more buckets to start the game four for four. And even though, look, I know the eventual outcome. I already know it in my in, at this stage. Admittedly, it felt like, okay, LeBron and D-Wade and them boys, they're about to respond in this one. The perfect start for LeBron James and Miami. Do you remember what it felt like as you watched this one? Did it seem like, okay, you know, maybe they'll have some fight and, and at least force a game seven? You at home. You at home. You got the white out. You know, the fans are there. And LeBron, when he comes out and he makes his first four buckets, it's almost like you put your hands behind your head. Somebody enjoy this ride. Oh, yeah. Because that's the type of player LeBron is. He can take over. He can put his stamp on a game at any moment, at any time. And you say, okay, you hadn't had the best of games in this series. Here you come. Here comes that freight chain we like to talk about coming downhill at you. And we say, okay, after seeing this, you know, a player like me, oh, I'm turning the game off because this first quarter, <laughs> LeBron's about to dominate. They're about to get blown out. You know, that's what you would say to yourself. Even though you're going to watch, you mm -hmm. would say, you know, if you wanted to, you could turn the game off. Oh, completely, completely. Well, you know what? Jason Terry didn't care. It didn't matter how confident I was in LeBron or, or LeBron was in himself because he came off the bench and immediately knocked down two, his first two buckets. Terry off the dribble, pulls up. That's good. 14 points in 14 minutes off the bench. Terry and Nowitzki been through a lot of painful playoff memories. He has been superb the last couple of games and once again tonight. In fact, after making 13 threes as a team the previous game, 
Dallas starts off three for five, three for five in the first quarter of this one, and they took a 32-27 uh, lead after one. Yeah, you know, that's that's big, you know, and people look at the game now and look at all the threes that are made. This was still transitioning into where the three was so important in basketball, even though it was important, but it wasn't like the major weapon it is today. Mm-hmm. This was like, yeah, we trying to transition because Dwayne Wade didn't shoot a lot of threes. LeBron didn't. Only people like, you know, Jason Terry and, you know, every now and then Dirk Nowitzki, he's feeling really good. But this wasn't a three ball era. So speaking of threes, Deshaun Stevenson's, you know, third three of the game, it actually put the Mavericks up 12 with about 945 to go in the second quarter. And here, and once again, you know, like as you've mentioned, you know, over the course of breaking these series down, it was really one of those situations where the others just finding a way to step up and make big plays, you know, when they needed. The bench of the Mavericks at different times in the series, they've been difference makers. Yeah, seven threes, seven May threes off their bench. Jason Terry three, Deshaun three, and even Brian Carter hit one. You know, he was <laughs> one for one. But oh, yeah. you need, think about this, when your bench comes off, and they're knocking down threes. It's like a dunk from your starter. It's it's like a big block from your starter. It's it's so many things that energize you, and you need this in a hostile environment. So Miami, they did put up a fight. It was aided by some big shots and plays from Eddie House off the bench. Rob, his three at the 625 mark actually gave Miami a 42-40 lead, causing Dallas to call a timeout. And I mentioned this moment because we actually got a bit of a finals kerfuffle as Stevenson and Chalmers you know, got into a bit of a shoving match. It actually started off with Stevenson and UD, but then Chalmers kind of came out of nowhere where we needed to insert the old wrestling, comes out of nowhere, and, and just shoves them in the back. And we, you know, like I said, you know, I, 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 I don't mind a little bit of a aggression when it comes to the finals, I guess to a certain limit. Yeah, I don't mind it either, but you have to be smart. Because now you put yourself in a situation to get A, get tossed, or B, get a tech. He gets a tech in this situation, and every point is so important in the finals. Dude, if it's a regular season, I'm fine with the playoffs. You got to be smarter than this. You go grab your guy. You grab your guy, and you get him out of there as fast as possible. Now you go and you push, you escalate something. Now it's not not good for you. And I think, you know, in these situations, cooler heads – had to prevail, and the vets had to be able to make sure they don't do anything. And, and I know Udonis is saying to himself, who's more important in this game? You know, him or Deshaun Stevenson, you know, who had just hit three threes in this in this first half. So what do we do? You know, I think he's trying to play that that, that mind game, but still though, Chalmers had to be smarter. So once order was restored, Terry still had it going and he wound up knocking another pair of threes to help Dallas take a 53 to 51 lead into the break. What are the coaches telling the teams at halftime of this one, especially given the way things got a bit heated, you know, to your point, you know, where you have to be smarter about it. It got a bit heated, you know, as they were uh, right before the end of the quarter. Uh, The best thing to tell your team is to focus. I guarantee he says, yo, focus that energy, focus that effort and put it onto the defense and grab those rebounds because we're right here. You know, we got to win this game or we going home. You know, we can see the end end of the line. We can see it, but we got to be the one that's crossing that line. And I think as a coach, that's what you're saying for you, the Miami Heat. But if you're the Dallas Mavericks coach, you was like, oh, we got them right where we want them. They're frustrated. Just keep attacking. Stay in attack mode. If you got an open shot, you take it. Keep playing good defense on LeBron James. Keep him off the boards. Tyson Chandler, keep erasing our mistakes in the paint. Grab rebounds. It, it, it's, it, it basically boils down to basic fundamentals. Pass the ball. 
shoot the ball, rebound the ball. Marion, the offensive rebound, and took it away from Wade, which you don't see very often. Miami getting beaten up again to start the third period. Way to hang in. Way to hang in. Everybody rebound. Way to respond. And that's basically what Dallas did in the third quarter. And, and of course, to no one's surprise, Jason Kidd and Dirk, they continued to use a long ball to pace Dallas through a 28-21 third quarter. Uh, all of a sudden, Dallas is up nine heading into the fourth. Moving forward in that action, Chalmers finds Wade on a nice backdoor cut to start the fourth quarter. And Wade takes it in and pretty much over the, you know, Dirk at the rim for an and one. I know your career is only overlapped by a few seasons, but you've played against and with plenty of guys. Was D. Wade pound for pound one of the stronger guys at his position? Yeah, you know, he was. And you look at guys that start out that, you know, look at Michael Jordan. He first started out. Wasn't that big? Wasn't that strong? But he realized he's playing in the East. He had to get that way. Kobe Bryant, same way. Wasn't that big? Wasn't that strong? But throughout the course of the years, they know for them to be efficient and effective, they got to get stronger. Dwayne Wade's body, one of the best bodies that you could play as far as a basketball player. He got the size. He got the strength. He got the ability to get, go over the top like he did with this moment on Dirk Nowitzki. But think about this. He was outside the paint when he yeah. took off. Dirk, seven feet tall, you know, the weight, but he was able to still get to the basket and finish that and one. Yeah, that, look, again, you know, I love, I love, I, I absolutely love a, a, when a little dunks on a big, some of his in particular, you know, shout out to Anderson Verizal. I mean, no disrespect, but you know, come on, y'all remember. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Okay. So Dallas doesn't do anything otherworldly throughout the fourth, but they honestly just managed to execute time and time again in the half-court set. Did you notice how often they honestly, they just worked the ball around and ran their sets and still got the matchups and shots that they wanted on a lot of possessions, especially in the middle and the back half of the fourth? You know, when you got guys like, you know, think about it. Jason Kidd, who runs the office, Dirk Whiskey, probably one of the most unassuming vets, really great guys in our league that's like, hey, run the office. You know, I'm eventually going to get the shot. You know, I'm not in a hurry. And and you got to be meticulous when it comes down to stretch. Most good teams, when they're meticulous and they say, you know what, we're just going to nickel and dime them. We ain't going to be in a hurry because we all know players don't want to play defense for 20 seconds. They want to play for like maybe five, 10 seconds, and we go into the other end so I can, you know, score some points and be, become, you know, one of the greatest scorers in this game and, you know, put numbers up. But And that's how Dallas was down the stretch. You know what? We're just going to grind it out. We're going to run our plays, and eventually you're going to say, you know what, go ahead, shoot, so we can go down there and try to get back in this game uh, on the other end. So I, I think when you look at this game, especially this fourth quarter, Dallas was just really slow and methodical on executing, and every time they did that, they got a good shot, and that good shot turned into buckets. Novitsky puts it up, puts it in, makes it a 10-point game. And only fitting, Dirk Nowitzki sealing the deal. And you know what? As you just described it, that's exactly how it happened down the stretch because Dirk hits a long two over Boss to put the Mavericks up 10 with about 345 left in the game. Then on the, you know, the, the, the heat, they come right back down. D-Wade makes a tough shot through traffic only for Nowitzki to come right back and do it all again. <laughs> do it all again from the wing. It, it really was just a, it, it was a masterclass in execution for the, you know, for the, the Mavericks in that fourth. Yeah, and I have to say it again. If you look at the quarters, Dallas wins the first, Dallas wins the third, Dallas wins the fourth, Dallas wins the game. 
elevating his status amongst the NBA's greats. The Mavericks have scaled the NBA playoff mountain and have planted their flag. They are the NBA champions for 2010, 2011. There you go. Because Terry's pull up just inside the arc, put Dallas up 12. And even though LeBron does knock down the three on the other end, it was a little bit too little too late. Dallas takes game six, 105-95 and the series. For the first time in franchise history, the Dallas Mavericks have won the NBA championship. Mama and daddy right here. Mama and daddy. We'll never forget this day. The day I was born and then the day. That's it. Shout out to Jason Terry in this one. Comes up big once again. 27 points. Th- you know, 27, 3, 2, 2. He, you know, littered the stat, <laughs> littered the stat sheet off the bench. Jason Kidd, you know, did his thing with 9 and 8. Berea provided 15 and 5. Third time's a charm. And, uh, it's a dream. You know, LeBron James does have seven points in this fourth quarter, but like I said, it just wasn't quite enough. Yeah, it wasn't enough. You know, he did come through seven. He had tw- 21 points. I think it's probably the first game that he led the team in scoring because other than that, he's kind of been up and down with his scoring. But still, though, if you're LeBron James, I think this game right here in this series was one of the most motivating factors throughout your career. Getting swept by the San Antonio Spurs in 2007, you were just happy to get there because you had to carry your team by yourself to that that finals. But this one, where you said, okay, we're going to become a franchise that's going to win multiple championships, and you start off, you lose your very first time in the finals, this is a motivating factor like no other. It feels amazing now to, to know that nobody can ever take this away from us again. And uh, for one year, we're, we're the best team that was out there. It feels, uh, feels amazing. All right, so time for our last break. But who wins the NBA Finals File Awards? Find out next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG dot com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources the nikki glazer podcast her roast of tom brady stole the show now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the nikki glazer
Roaster podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Rob, you know what time it is. What time is it? NBA Finals Foul Awards time. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) What time is it? You know it. Uh, no, but uh, uh, this is going to be a fun one because I'll be honest with you. I feel like you could go in a lot of different directions with these. Let's go ahead and kick it off. Finals MVP. We know that it went to dirt. It's been an amazing ride. It's been uh, it's been a lot of a lot of ups and a lot of downs. So this is uh, this is the the top of the iceberg, and uh, it feels absolutely amazing. Do you agree with that assessment? Yes and no. Oh. Even though Dirk was fantastic in the four quarters, but the NBA has set a precedence. And so my MVP was Jason Terry coming off the bench, putting up buckets. And sometimes you get blinded by the last game of a series. Mm-hmm. And think about this. In that last game, you mentioned earlier, Jason Terry was 11 for 16. Dirk Nowitz was 9 for 27. But yet, Jason Terry outscored him 27-21. to 21. And I'm not just saying this game. I know Dallas fans are like, what are you talking about? Dirk Wish was great. Yes, he was. But Jason Terry was better. So Jason Terry gets my MVP. I'll say this. Dallas fans could be mad at both of us. Because I was actually, I thought I was going to be the one. I thought, I thought you were going to say, no, no, get out of here. Take a seat, young buck, or whatever you was going to call Shiny head like you called me <laughs> only last week. But I actually agree. Look, I'm not taking anything away from Dirk. Dirk's fantastic. I'm glad he got the finals MVP. I'm glad it goes you know, like on his you know, mantle you know, as a part of his legacy. But I would not have been mad to see them you know, give Jason Terry the love in this one because he, you know, not only it wasn't just a matter of him scoring 27 you know, like in this final game. We, you know, we talked about it for the last two episodes. He really did pace them along the way. He provided exactly what they needed you know, in, in huge moments, uh, you know, was consistent in scoring. But, you know, the quarterback usually goes to, you know, the quarterback <laughs> is the one that usually you know, go, you know, goes to Disneyland. So it's not too much of a shot. All right. What about the best role player? Maybe, maybe is this going to be a, is this going to be a Jason Terry sweep for you? I just realized that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not since since he's won Sixth Man of the Year before uh-huh. that takes him out of my role player. Okay, okay, I got. You. And so watching this game, my role player goes to Tyson Chandler. Okay, because people are not going to appreciate what he was able to do as far as rebounding and blocking shots and being that eraser. You know, I, I I love a good underdog, and and for me in this series, that who that's that's who Tyson Chandler was. He just was solid, 
him and Sean Marion, I could give to either one. But, mm-hmm. you know, since Sean Marion is, is, you know, one of those guys that said he started small ball, like he gets a negative for that. And so I'm giving <laughs> it to Tyson Chandler. <laughs> you feel like it's a little bit of stolen, uh, stolen valor there. Okay. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. Look, I, I, I couldn't be mad if you give it to Tyson or you give it to Sean. Uh, you, get, you know, there was great role play in this game, you know, it throughout this series, actually on both sides of the ball. Uh, so yeah, n- no argument. I almost gave it to Chris Bosch, but since he's a Hall of Famer, I can't call him a role player. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it, and that what's funny about it is, had Miami won, you, yeah, like you, you definitely can't call one of those three. But you know, so, so who who would who would who would have gone to if Miami wins this one? Well, if it was going to Mario Chalmers, yeah, by far. But don't forget, sometimes people who lose still get awards. This is true. This is true. What about the coaching matchup? Who won this one? You know, you 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 have to go with who actually won this series. Yeah. You know, um, if you look at at the way he was able to manipulate his lineup, think about that that move when Dirk was sick. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that's was his anticipation of of doing this, but think about that. Dirk is sick. I've been starting Stevenson throughout this series. He's been big for me, but he comes out. And makes that move. And Dallas kind of, I ain't going to say they went on a roll, but they kind of took off from that moment. So, advantage Dallas. I am proud of this group. We have an extremely hardworking group that did sacrifice and do all the right things to put yourself in a, in a position uh, to win the whole thing. They just did is it fair or disrespectful to say that Carlisle won with more with less talent in this series? I don't think he won with less talent. Come on, let's really let's put this on paper now. Mm-hmm. Jason Kidd, Hall of Famer. Dirk Nowitzki, Hall of Famer. Tyson Chung, one of the best defensive players that played this game. He's won with defensive player of the year before, right? Yep. And then you see Sean Marion, all defensive team. Jason Terry, sixth man of the year. Now, if you go to as far as I know, awards. Don't mean a lot sometimes, but if you go on the, on onto the Miami Heat side, it's only three guys over there who's won awards. You know, everybody else is you know taking over because you know even though Mike Bibby was a key factor back in the day when he was with Sacramento, after the first three games, he went to the bench and didn't play again. And so, I everybody thinks when you got those three superstars that they can outshine, you know the rest of everybody else. And it wasn't the case in this case. I don't think if you look at it on paper, I think Dallas had a better team. That's fair. That's fair. You know, uh, Dallas fans, you know, they, they probably want you to acknowledge that, you know, a lot of their talent was older and they, you had, you know, you know, three hall of famers in their prime on the other side, but you know what? Score one for the old guys in this one, because it, it was an impressive, it was an impressive regard, regardless of how, you know, of how you, you know, you're positive. You know what time it is now. The Big Shot Bob Award. It's my favorite. But who gets your Big Shot Bob Award? Even though he lost, I think Mario Chalmers, for me, was huge in this series. He was he was averaging like two threes a game throughout this series. And he was knocking him down at a high clip. And he wasn't used, to me, enough as he should have. you know, Because if you really go down a lot, you know, I could have gave it to Jason Terry, but he already has my MVP award. He can't win everything. He can't have a sweep. So I had to pick someone else. I, and I'm going to go with the guy who was coming off the bench. He eventually started, started Mario Chalmers. It is your award. So who the hell am I to question? <laughs> but I will say this. 
This is the one where I would actually say it's Dirk, and here's why. Because when it was closing time, while Terry was pacing them all throughout and also hitting big shots in the moments, when it was closing time, it was Dirk time. Whether he was going to the rack with the left, taking a baseline for the dunks, you know, uh, you know, knocking down threes of his own, knocking down long contested twos over, you know, several different looks. For me, at least, that the, uh, I, I want to show him that love, especially since I robbed him of a Finals MVP <laughs> just five minutes. You ago. know what? If since you put it like that, I, I agree with you, but. I usually like to give my big shot award to the guy who's not already a big shot. You know, ah. <laughs> on that team, Dirk is a big shot. Gotcha. So he he's already has his title as, you know, Dirk Nowitzki slash big shot slash star of that team. So I like to recognize the little people sometimes. For whatever reason, when you said that, I heard Shaq's voice yelling out to the your production dude, underdog, underdog. <laughs> you, you like giving it to the underdog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We got one, and we're going to keep on trying to get more. We love you, Dallas. Another fantastic series. Had a great time breaking this one down with you, Rob. Thank you once again for all of your incredible analysis and insight on these things. I appreciate it. You know, this one was fun. This one was really fun because you got to see Dirk Nowitzki get his chip, and you got to see the flames that were lit under LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. So this series was fun. This series was, you know, one of those ones where you look back, you're like, wow, there was only 100 points scored twice in this series by Dallas, once by the Miami Heat. So it was a defensive battle. And I I like defensive battle. I know this day and age, the game is about making buckets. And I always say that. But sometimes you want to see teams come out and play good defense. 100% right there with you. As much as I make fun of the low-scoring games, if it's a good game, it's a good game. Exactly. Great basketball is is exactly that. And speaking of, you know, potentially low-scoring, but, you know, definitely grinded out, you know, games, the final series of of season one here on Finals File, coming up next week, we're going to get into some bad boys. What's he going to do? What's he going to do when he comes for you? Let's get it, let's get it, let's get it, let's get it. Rob is whispering the theme song to bad, you know, to cops, and I'm not mad at him. But we're gonna say it's, it, we're gonna say it's for you know, the actual movie bad boys. All right, thanks again. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her 
roast of Tom Brady Stole the Show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening.